0: cars, the presentation of the Rio Grande Oil Company. Tucson police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast sixty-three. Gordon H. Sawyer, vice president of the Southern Arizona Bank and Trust Company, kidnapped from his home tonight. Suspect unknown. All cars report to headquarters for further orders. That's all. California now specifies Rio Grande tracked gasoline for all its police cars, fire engines and emergency equipment. Rio Grande, already used by more police cars wherever it is sold than any other brand of gasoline, now helps the police of Oakland to fight crime by speeding up police car performance. We are going to crack Yes, sir.
1: Oh, George, what's that headline? It, it's about a train wreck.
0: Well, uh, buy the paper. Oh, that's the Calling All Cars news, sir. Help yourself. It's free. Oh, that's a novel idea. You want to read that uh, train wreck story? It's true, and you'll hear it over Calling All Cars this month. Ooh.
1: He's a radio guy too. It lists all the good programs. This is just what I want. What's mm, this?
0: It says a thousand gallons of real brandy, cracked gasoline to be given away free. Mm-hmm. Now they're talking. I'd like to get a thousand gallons of real brandy. That's the finest gasoline i ever used. Yeah, everyone who listens to Calling All Cars ought to come in and get a copy of this Calling All Cars news. It's the most unique publication I've ever seen. And you give these copies away free? Oh, yes, indeed. And tell your friends to drive into any service station selling Rio Grande cracked gasoline, and they'll get a free copy. <laughs> please to present Keith James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department, who has brought with him a distinguished visitor, Keith Davis. Good evening, friends. It is with natural pride that I have often, on these programs, lauded the excellent work of the men under my command. But in so doing, I have by no means intended to underestimate the value and efficiency of our other Western law enforcement organizations. In Tucson, Arizona, there is a police force which many a town, 10 times larger, might be proud to claim as its own. Under the able leadership of Chief C.A. Wallach, the Tucson police, just a year ago, became world famous when they brought the Dillinger mob to their first accounting with the law. Tonight, we are dramatizing another famous Tucson crime. And I have asked Chief Wallard to come here as my guest and to say a word to the audience of calling all stars. It is my great honor to introduce Chief Wallard of Tucson, Arizona. Good evening. Ladies and gentlemen of the West, I am one as honored to be asked to participate in a splendid radio program. For more than a year, Calling Cars has performed a great public service in acquainting the public with frequent problems. No one realizes the value of this work more than we peace officers. Our task of preserving the peace in Tucson is much different than the one performed by Metropolitan Police. Our native crime crime rate is very low. There has never been a bank robbery in Tucson. And only one safe has been blown in our city in the last year and one half I have been chief. We have had two kidnappings. We have solved them both. Beyond the petty crime, the theft, and robbery, our citizens can give us little trouble. But because of its isolation, our city has been regarded by the Eastern criminals as a safe place to come and cool off. Our little skirmish to the Dillinger mob last year has changed that opinion considerably. Tucson is an unwise place for criminals to commit a major crime. Relatively isolated, There's only three or four roads leading from it. The fugitives cannot get away before we have every means of exit blocked. Contrary to general opinion, the desert is not a safe place to hide. Tonight, I have collected from my confidential files the story of the first kidnapping in the history of Arizona, and the abduction of my good friend Gordon Sawyer who happened, what happened to him, and how we solved the case. You are about to hear. On with the show. 1932, Tucson, Arizona. It is lodge night, and Mrs. Gordon Sawyer, wife of the vice president of the Southern Arizona Bank and Trust Company, is home alone, awaiting the return of her husband from the meeting. Shortly before midnight, she hears an automobile horn blow three times. This is Mr. Sawyer's familiar signal. He has just turned the corner. She peers through the grates of the living room window, sees Mr. Sawyer's packer wheel into the driveway. She hears the car drive into the garage. She hurries to the door, eager to greet her husband, when she hears the car back out of the driveway.
2: Gordon! Gordon! Gordon, where are you going? But that's funny. I wonder why you drove away like this good heavens, maybe he Oh, I'll her. You well, know, I'll you her. Give me 2126. Yes. Oh, hurry, please. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Robertson. Yes? Yeah? This is Mrs. Sawyer. Oh, Mrs. Yes, Sawyer. Did you see Gordon at Lord's meeting tonight? Why well,
0: I know. I didn't
2: go tonight. Oh. Is there anything wrong? No, no, not at all. Only, well, he hasn't been home yet. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Robertson. Don't oh, hurry, Alfredo. Why don't you, Aunt Kent? Hello? Hello? Get me 2139, please. And hurry, please.
1: Hello?
2: Hello, Mildred. Is is Tom back from Lodge yet? Why, yes,
1: Sarah. May I speak
2: with it, please?
0: Certainly. Just a
2: moment. Hello, Sarah. What's on your mind? Tom was gardening at Lodge tonight.
0: Sure, what's the idea,
2: Sarah? Checking up on it? Oh, Tom, don't be scared. What time did he leave? Oh, about 15 minutes ago, he left with me. What's the
0: matter? Is he home yet? No.
2: No, not yet, Tom. Oh, that's funny. Said he
0: was going right
2: home. Said he had a big day ahead of him tomorrow. Tom, I'm worried. I think he came home, and then went away. What are you talking about, Sarah? Well, he drove in the driveway. I saw him through the window. And before I could get to the side door, he busted the car out and broke off.
0: Are
2: you sure? Yes, Tom, positive. That sounds
0: mighty funny. Well, what'll
2: I do, Tom? I'm frightened.
0: Well, look here now, don't get yourself upset. Mildred and I will hop into the car and come right over. Then I'll have a look around.
1: Oh, thank you, Tom.
0: So he's probably
1: just going down
0: to the corner for a cigar. Oh, I hope so. Well, don't
1: worry. We'll be over right right away. Mm -hmm.
0: half hour, an hour passes, and Gordon Sawyer does not return home. His friend Tom searches the ground around the house while Mildred tries to calm Mrs. Sawyer's fears. Finally, Tom decides to call the police. Mark L. Robbins, identification expert of the Tucson Police Department, interviews Mrs. Sawyer at three o'clock in the morning.
2: And the car drove away and he hasn't come back.
0: Mm. Might have gone to the bank or to visit some
2: friends. Oh, certainly not, Mr. Robbins. I've called all of our friends. I haven't seen him since he left Lodge me tonight. And he never goes in the place without telling me. I've asked to go, Mr. Robbins.
0: There's no sign of any disturbance. I've asked the neighbors, and no one has heard any callers around tonight. it's just as though he's disappeared into thin air. Did he have any valuables on him, Mrs. Royer? Oh, yes, he always carries quite a bit of money, 40
2: or $50. And then he wears a diamond ring and a diamond stick to him, and he's there. Uh-huh.
0: It might be a robbery.
2: Well, if it were a robbery, why did did the robbers take him away like that? Oh,
0: that's hard to say, Mr. Sawyer. Of course, it might be a... A
2: kidnap? Oh, Mr. Vaughn. no, now,
0: now, don't get too excited, ma'am. After all, we're not sure anything. (laughs)
2: Oh, he's been a Don't worry,
0: ma'am. We'll bring him back wherever he is. (laughs) Within half an hour, Chief of Police Dyer and Sheriff Bailey are in conference with Robbins in police headquarters. Well, from all the Robbins has reported, it looks like a kidnap to me, sir. Yes, I think you're right, If it was plain robbery, they'd have held him up, and that'd be that. Well, there's little we can do tonight. I'd be better throw a blockade on all the roads. Right. i oh, watch it. Yes, sir. Uh, phone the Border Patrol in Nogales. Tell them to watch out for a gray package sedan, license number 30879. Yes, sir. And detail men on Route 84 and Route 80 to block these roads. Also on the Nogales Road and the road to Benson. And don't forget the Twin Butte Road, sheriff. Oh, yes. Send a car out to the turnoff by Fe Mission to check all cars going to the mission or into the reservation. Yes, sir. And also wire I Bend, Casa Grande, Globe, Prescott, and Phoenix giving them descriptions of the car and of Mr. Sawyer. Right away, sir. Uh, not much good to do, though, while it's still dark. It's two inches of high in this desert at night. Yeah, and even when the sun shines, it's going to be mighty hard to find even a placard if it's 20 yards off the road in that Palo Verde and Mesquite. Yeah, but there's a quick way of doing it. Yeah, what's that, Mark? Still going by air. We yeah. yeah. have a lot of time. That's a swell idea, Mark. Yeah, but where do we get the planes? You haven't enough funds to go out and charter a lot of airplanes by the day. How about Mrs. Greenway? She's got several here. Hey, that's right. I wonder if she'd be willing to lend them to us. Sure course she would. Mrs. Greenway's a swell person. Summoned from her sleep in the middle of the night, Mrs. Greenway, famed Arizona Congresswoman, is informed of the possible abduction of Mister. Sawyer. Asked for the use of her planes, she readily grants the request and assures Sheriff Bailey that the ships will be at his disposal whenever and for as long as he wants Dawn on the desert. The jagged crests of Tucson's silent mountain guardian Yawn deep blue against the crimson morning sky. Saddle Peak, 30 miles west, catches the first beam of the waking sun. A moment later, the mountains across the border next to... Uh, and then a swath of bright sunlight rushes across the valley floor, fills over the mountaintops, builds the wings of six speedy airplanes their propellers idling as they stand in line on the Tucson Airport, waiting for the touch of the throttle as will send them roaring to the clear blue morning sky on the first airplane manhunt in the southwest. Sheriff Bailey gives last instructions to the group of pilots and deputies who circle around oh, all you deputies understand which pilots you're riding with. Each of you pilots understand the circle you're to patrol. First to to see anything suspicious or spiral about the spot. Men in the cars will get there as soon as they can. Don't leave this suspicious spot until you're sure the police cars has arrived. It's getting light now, so go on with it, boys. One by one, the street swift this airplane take off in the till morning air. The scene might be an airplane as the Dawn Patrol takes off beneath their poker-mounted adversaries in battle high above no man's land. For these modern aces fly away also to a battle that never ends, a war against crime. High above the airport, the ships straighten out from their winding climb and swoop for the sector to which they've been assigned. At five minutes past seven, pilot Charlie Mason's monarchy, Having explored the jagged canyons of the Santa Catarina Mountains, he were circling over the country north of Tucson when Mark Robbins, his passenger, tapped him on the stage. Hey, Charlie. Yeah. All the way down. Quite a car down there. See? That's the top of Yeah, I see it. Hold on, we're going down. see, right. I'm not a mile from the city, am I? just better boys. boy. got to get out of here first. Here we go. <laughs> Zooming up, Charlie Macy climbs for altitude, and then spirals down, keeping just above the passage. In town, Deputy King gets and Chin on their way to headquarters in a police car through the scourging ship, and wheeling around, speed north towards the city limits. In about a few moments, they have pulled up beside the grey sedan and they to get out of the police car. That's what you said, boys. You not tell me what you in the group, remember your guess, right? Well, yeah, it's so hard. Let's look inside looking to go by here. It like yeah. looks like kidnapping, all right. And apparently the transfer was made here. Look, track a different size tire and a seat. Yeah, sir, the riverside gorge. got a pair of on my car. Well, you better report back to headquarters, King, and get him to send the fingerprint man out. Get a while out, I'll stay here on the spot. <laughs> The discovery of the abandoned gray sedan that banker Sawyer had been kidnapped, Pete Dyer calls in detective Clipper Cronow to discuss the next step in apprehending the criminal. There's no doubt about it, Chris. Sawyer's been kidnapped. There's no doubt in my mind that it was a local job. You know what makes you think, though, Pete? Well, no outside gang is going to try to work a kidnapping in this country. It's too hard to make a getaway. Yeah, that's right. Now, I figure, from the way this whole job was through, whoever did it He's pretty familiar with Sawyer's habit. A ransom note is sure to be sent, and a ransom note is the best clue we can get. What do you propose to do? Well, I want you to go to the post office and make an arrangement with postmasters this to place an undercover man over there to watch the local mail slot. What if the mail are ransom from a letterbox? Well, I'm gambling they won't. I've got a hunch that they all a mail at the post office so they'll get trick jacket. Okay, what's the plan? Well, get the postmaster to detail a clerk to watch the local too. From the inside, while the undercover man watches from the lobby. Then rig up a card on the string up in that grill above the stamp window. So if a suspicious looking letter is dropped into the local chute. addressed to Mrs. Sawyer or to any official of the bank. The postal clerk will drop the cards in the grill. And you undercover men, well, your man there can have the party and the mail letter before he gets away. Sounds yes, like it might work. Okay, get going. But the ingenious scheme of the chief fails to work when a gust of wind blows the card out of the grill, and in the ensuing confusion, an unseen person mails a ransom demand addressed to Fed J. Seward, president of the bank. Seward calls the chief of police to his office at once Well, Chief. It looks pretty serious. What do we want? Uh, read that letter, Miss Parker.
1: Uh, yes, sir. The letter says, This is to warn you that we want $60,000 Saturday night, or Gordon Sawyer will be killed. We have killed and robbed other people. Another killing is nothing to us. If this note is made public at any time, we will kill Gordon Sawyer anyway, so you had better obey instructions. At 8.30 Saturday night, you are to start from the corner of Stone and Congress with $60,000 in cash and unmarked money. You must come alone. You will drive out to Bell Road and turn north. Then continue until you see a white flag stuck in the side of the road. Stop, and you will be approached by one of our men. If you see no white flag after you've gone as far as Rattlesnake Pass, turn around and drive out the Bare Canyon Road until you come across the white flag. There will be no other warning. You had better do as you're told if you or his friends ever want to see Gordon Sawyer alive again. Sawyer will sign this to show that he is alive and all right. But he won't be very long unless you do as directed.
0: Uh, thank you, Miss Parker. Is that his signature on the bottom? Mm. Oh, yes, that's Gordon signature all right. This is terrible, Chief. We must get Jordan back unharmed at any cost. Oh, of course. The <laughs> bank stands ready to pay the sum they ask. Well, it may not be necessary, Mr. George. Deputies King and Gus Wiley are following the trail of the kidnapped car this very moment. <laughs> It is no easy task for the two deputies to follow the tire tread over the hard, sun-baked Kalichi of the Desert Road. But straining their eyes, deputies King and Gertweiler labore trail the escape car from the transfer point along the well-traveled highway into the the lonely DeMoss-Peakley Road, and finally into a lane that leads to the Adkins Ranch. They sense that they are reaching the end of their search. Jack. Something's moving in the bushes ahead. There'll be talking to your others. Yeah, maybe not. Uh oh. Look, what? Two guys sweeping away the trucks in the road. They've seen it. They're running away. Try to head them out, okay? Pull up. Come on out of there. Police officers. Behind that car, yes? I want to shoot it out. Don't need to me that last time. Do what I'm moving. There. Better save your ammunition. You should be sure you're hitting something, Jack. We didn't bring much with us. Yeah, I know. Look out there this. It's that great man's Jack. Let him have it. Well, that didn't do much good. Did you get a good look at him? I sure did. You better get back to the telephone and call for reinforcements. I've only had a couple of rounds left. okay Let's go. <laughs> quickly arrives in answer to the two deputy's call. cautiously the band of armed men approach the Adkins' ranch, expecting to be met by a fusillade of bullets. But the only greeting they received was the fierce barking of a cur dog, which Jeffweiler yes, and King had seen loping down the road after the two repeating men. Seems oh, kind of deserted, though. Yeah, we'd better be careful. Well, who are the people who live here? You know Dallas? Uh, yeah, the Adkins. Old Colonel Adkins owns the place. The sun's shifting so tight. Well, let's get inside and see if there's any sign of soil Yeah. Well, let's keep our eyes peeled outside here. You see anything moving? Shoot first and ask questions oh, afterwards. Okay, good. All right. Well, it's your list eh? Really. Yeah, look here. Bucky cake coffee on the table's still warm. Yeah, from the way all the clothing's thrown around, I guess they just packed pajamas and a 2 and squam. Yeah, you Well, no signs of fire in here. Let's take a look outside. All right. Mm. Anything doing out here, boys? No. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's some steps maybe we up toward the river. No, you better follow him, Jack. Bob Wood, you were along with him. Right. Hey, Dallas, take a look at that well over there. Where? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, what about it? Looks to me as though those mastics logs have just been thrown over the top of it recently. See, it does at that. Let's take a look. All right. Hmm. Yeah. That's an old cage in well, but the covering has just been put on it. Do you suppose they threw fire down there? I don't know, but we'll soon find out. Here, give me a hand with this log. Huh? <coughs> hey there, I uh, okay. there. Now we can get a look. Got a flashlight? Yeah. Anyway. Good heavens. Looks like a dead man down there. Sawyer all right. They killed him.
1: I'm being quiet. I haven't done
0: anything. Oh, thank goodness he's alive. You uh, are. Gordon. Gordon. It's me. Donald Ford. The temple, Donald. We'll tell him the temple. Oh, uh, there's no one around here now but the party. Come on. We'll help you up. Here. Give me a hand. Uh, you take the other one, get yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, there we are. Oh. Are you all right, Gordon? Yes. I'm all right. Ha- have they gone? Yes, Gordon. I-, I guess I changed when they threw me down there. Oh. They told me to keep quiet or they'd kill me. I didn't know anything until I heard you up here. And I was afraid you were in danger, too. Oh, everything's all right now, Gordon. Oh. Oh, don't try to talk. The first thing we got to do is get you to home to your wife. After he had been reunited with his wife and had an opportunity to rest, Gordon Sawyer tells his story to Keith Dyer and Mrs. Sawyer. When I drove the car into the garage Thursday night after lodge meeting, two men stepped out from behind the door pointed guns at me and told me to get in the back of the car, lie face down, and not make any noise. Then we backed the car up. Did you hear me call when the car backed off the driveway garden? Yes, dear, but naturally I couldn't answer. I was afraid they'd kill me. Well, where did you take your next? Well, we drove for some time. Then they transferred you to another car. And while we were bumping along rough roads, they blindfolded me. We got to a house, they loosened my blindfold a bit, and made me sign a note demanding $60,000 ransom. Then they tightened the blindfold and put me on some blankets on the floor where I spent the night. This morning, they gave me good old cakes and coffee. Then I heard some shots, and they ran back and threw me in the well. You know, the rest of them. How many voices did you hear? There were... Two. Two. One with a woman. A woman? Yeah. Yes. Well, that might be Billy Atkins. Who's she? Old Colonel Atkins' daughter. Just why thinks she recognized Cliff Atkins as son as one of the men who ambushed him.
1: Huh.
0: I'm going to bring those in and question them. Billy Atkins, pretty daughter of the old colonel, is brought in for questioning. And beyond admitting that she spent 30 nights at the ranch, she refuses to talk. In view of this admission, and Mr. Sawyer's statement that he was held at the ranch all night, a charge of kidnapping is filed against her brother, and Billy is held as an accessory after the fact. For more than a week, an intensive search is conducted for Cliff Atkins. And then on the 14th of February, a tip comes to send two carloads of officers out to the desert to the deserted human mine. Arriving there, they are met by Joe Portman, who tends a goat herd on the mine site. Hello, Joe. I'll say. You can complain, Ellis. Oh, the police and business, flying and dandy. What thing too odd, this way? No, nothing. Just looking for the Mexicans and breaking in houses. Mm-hmm. You ain't seen no Mexicans oh, around here. Well, <laughs> you know how it is. We got to look like we're working. Yeah, true. Cool. Uh, what you getting on the top all in here, Joe? Looks like your car. And, uh, uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that's a car, all right. Hmm, uh, I think that's the new one. Oh, yeah. Uh, to uh, keep its it covered so that both get on top. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at it. Uh, help me with the top, us. Sure. Uh, mmm. Just what I expected. Same tire tread, body scratch, wheels take the dirt. Uh, that get a car, all right. What about this, Joe? I don't know what you mean. Uh. It's, it's, it's my car. Come on, Joe. Let's have the truth. someone moving in the chat. Cover the door, for us. Hey, you. Come out of there. Come on. All right, sir. I'll bring it in. Hey, don't shoot. You... I'll give up. I, I got you, come. I'm afraid. You're afraid of what? Those two guys are kidnapped, Sawyer. What two guys? A couple of guys I met when I was doing time and touch it. They moved in on me last week. They kidnapped, Sawyer, and they, they said they bumped me off by troll and I ran away after they escaped, I've been hiding here ever since. I'm afraid of them. Oh, come on, Adkins. You don't expect us to believe that? Oh, it's true. No, it's a gospel truth. Is this your car out here? Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's registered it to my wife in California. Well, Seth, that's the car Sawyer was kidnapped in. Huh? The tires are the same as the tread on the road, where Sawyer was transferred from his car. Yeah, yeah, but uh, these guys borrowed my car. Oh, yeah? And the footprint beside Sawyer's package fit your shoes would be found at the ranch. No, no, no. Uh, well, uh, I didn't do it. Those shoes belong to one of the other guys. I'm innocent. I tell you, I'm innocent. You can't pin this on me. (laughs) Unlike the store where the last of the bits of the trial, when the Tucson shoemaker identified the shoes as a pair on which he had put rubber heels for the accused. And when Deputy Getzweiler made a positive identification of Adkins as one of the men who ambushed him and King at the ranch on May the 31st, Judge Fest pronounced sentence on Adkins, but sent him to the penitentiary for life. Thus, rapidly and efficiently, did the Tucson Police Department and the Arizona quartz disposed of the first kidnapping airzola sector. Thank you, Chief Yellard. And now here we are back in the Rio Grande service station. The oil level's low, you need a quart. What oil you have? Well, you wouldn't want to use cheap oil in a fine dry like this. Yes, I do hate to buy bulk oil. I've been reading about canned oil, so I'm afraid to buy oil in bulk. Well, here is a canned oil. The most famous 25-cent oil in the world. You've heard of it. Sinclair Opaline. Sure, I've heard of Sinclair Oil. I didn't know I could get a quart can for 25 cents. You get more than a quart. There's two ounces extra in every can of Sinclair Opaline. Well, if I can get an oversized quart of Sinclair Oil for a quarter, I'm sold. That Sinclair name satisfies me. me. The great oil, sir. It's internationally famous. Sinclair has built the world's largest independent oil business with this Opaline oil. It's the finest 25-cent oil there is, and it's a better oil than any Western oil at any price. You'll find it featured at every station that sells Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. police calling all cars attention all cars can broadcast 63 regarding the kidnappers the in this case now in custody and that's all Written and produced by William N. Robson. This is Frederick Linsley saying goodnight for the Rio Grande Oil Company.